I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, what's going on? I uh, appreciate you uh, downloading and tuning in the Utopia Football Podcast Mailbag Edition for this week. And we've got some good questions to get to. We'll rapid fire these. My name is Sean Pendergast, alongside, as always, my good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and Galleriesports.com, John McClain. John, how we doing? You're getting ready for your, uh, you're getting ready all packed up and ready for your trip down to Florida. I am. I'm fired up about it. Going to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches on Wednesday. We'll start sending columns and uh, doing videos on Thursday, and I'll be there for nine nine days of workouts. Good deal. Okay, so this is where we tell the people not only that we give out the mailbag address, mailbag at gmail.com. We do that every episode, but I think it's appropriate, John, since you're headed down there, and we encourage people to do this anyways, but since you're going to be at spring training, especially over these next few weeks, to send in any Astro questions they have too, right, to the mailbag? We can kind of combo this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be writing about the Astros every day, and I'm fired up about it. For a team that has so few availabilities for players, it's not really they have questions, but people want to know about the starting pitching, the best bullpen in baseball, how are they going to use Hunter Brown right off the bat? I wish they'd put him right in the middle of the rotation. There's speculation. Dusty Baker will start him in the bullpen. Of course, Dusty knows better than I do, but based on what he did at the end of last season, I want to see him on a regular basis. And then what's going to happen at backup catcher? And uh, and uh, so pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday. They start working out on uh, Thursday. And then the regular guys trickle in and first full squad scrimmages. I mean, scrimmage workout is on the 21st. i tell you what I can't get used to. I, instead of spring training, sometimes I say training camp. Or yeah, sport. it's a big adjustment, John. Yeah, I got to get that right. Hey, John, isn't it nice to go cover a team where the biggest question marks going into training camp are their sixth starter in the rotation and backup catcher <laughs> and not – who the quarterback is going to be? <laughs> you know, Astros are loaded. They got first world on. problems, John McClain. <laughs> they got lucky on the injuries last season. You hope they don't start having a rash of injuries, especially yeah. on the pitching staff. But there's a reason they didn't make a lot of moves. The the position I'm most interested in is center field. You know, who is it going to be? Myers going to be Jake Myers? Is going to be 
uh, Jazz McCormick. I kind of was hoping, I think you and I talked about this a lot, uh, that they were going to go out and trade for another bat to play in center field. But yeah. right now, whatever Jim Crane says, everybody accepts because, man, two World Series titles, four World Series, six consecutive American League Championship Series, they got a dynasty. Yep, someday it'll end, but not anytime soon. That's for sure. Um, all right, so let's get to these. Are uh, we're we're uh, we're all football questions, John, when it comes to the mailbag. But again, houmailbag at gmail We'll take Astro questions as well as we're we're going to keep doing this podcast, even with John down in Florida at uh, Astros. I almost said training camp too. Spring training for the Astros. Um, all right, John, let's get to these uh, questions. It's drafts. This is John in the village. Says a lot of stuff coming up. Combine pro days. Visits to NRG Stadium, et cetera. What's the most important element in your mind of evaluation for a player heading towards the draft? They have a lot more to do besides a quarterback, but they've got to determine which quarterback does Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans, which one do they like best? Uh, they're not going to know for sure about, about Bryce Young until we find out at the combine where I'll be covering um, about his size. And I've been told that he is working with a nutritionist to try to get up to about 210 pounds. And if he's 5'11", 210, and even though he's not going to play at 210, uh, he may have to get on the soda weight loss program <laughs> and get back down to his playing weight. Everybody's going to be interested in that. And they may have C.J. Stroud rated number one. They may have Will Levis rated number one. Despite how mediocre Will Levis was last year, when he actually had people rushing him and his receivers covered, people are falling in love with him now in shorts and T-shirts, and that love is going to continue to grow. So we don't know who they're going to like. We don't even know, Sean, if they're going to take a quarterback at the top. Maybe D'Amico Ryans wants Jalen Carter or Will Anderson Jr., and they say we'll get a quarterback later. But I think that is the single most important thing about what they do at the combine, at pro days, at private workouts, at their interviews. When they bring them in here, you can't work them out here, but you just bring them in. And one reason, Rick Smith, there's two things Rick Smith did that sold him on Deshaun Watson. He could see his tape and watch him play. But he said when he uh, scouted him in a championship game, Rick went down uh, when, when uh, Clemson was warming up to a lower seat so he could watch Watson when he wasn't throwing. He wanted to watch him interact with his teammates. And he saw how the teammates gravitated toward him, both sides of the ball, how he treated them. He liked that. And then when they brought him in here for the visit, they took him in the cafeteria, and there were some veterans who were working out. And they went into the cafeteria, and they saw him. And instead of sitting at tables waiting for him to come, they all went up to him because he said, Rick said, he had street cred. You know, he lost the national championship to Alabama, and he beat Alabama. Everybody knew it. He came in with credibility, and you could see the leadership written all over him. So, you know, they're going to want to see Bryce Young in as many settings as they can see, and C.J. Stroud as well. And whoever they take, I'm fine with it, because I just want them to get a quarterback. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. John, of, the, of those things, though, I think the gist of the question was like of the different things like combine pro days and visits, what of those are the most important? I liked your answer anyways, because quarterback is important. Let's keep it specific to quarterback. Film is going to be, to me, the most important thing. But of like the things that take place between now and the draft, what do you think for a quarterback? You just said for Deshaun Watson, there were a couple things that were really important. What do you think? Like combine, and it may depend on the player. Like the combine might be super important for Bryce Young because of the height and weight thing that's going on. But like in general, what's the most important part of this evaluation process for you? What are they going to see at the combine or pro days or private workouts that they can't see on tape where they have to make every throw and they're actually being covered? I think it's just preposterous to watch these NFL experts on the NFL Network just ooh and ah when they see a guy throwing a deep ball to a receiver with nobody covering him and nobody pressuring him. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a bunch of the videos of Anthony Richardson throwing great on the field. Well, my God, they should be throwing great in those situations. I remember Gary Kubiak always said, I want to look him in the eye. He said, I want to see what how they answer my questions when I'm sitting across from them and looking them in the eye. And that is very, very important in the evaluation process. At the combine, every team can get 60 players. You get them for 15 minutes over the week, and you can ask them questions. The funniest thing I ever remember about that, Keyshawn Johnson, number one pick in 86, he was asked by a media person after he did the Giants interview, because the Giants had a, a test they gave him. And they said, he said, what was the weirdest question? And it said, the question was, do you like tall women? And he said, well, what'd you say? He said, I crossed out the T and then put yes. (laughs) And I'm thinking, how in the world would that have helped? Charlie Cashley used to have a psychologist and an eye expert, an ophthalmologist in there with those meetings. Sean, it is amazing what goes on into the scouting process and how many bad picks are made by teams. The late, great C.O. Bucato, the greatest scout I ever knew with the Titans, a lot of the things they do, the drills at the combine, he invented. And the C.O. said, if you can't evaluate a player off of watching his game film and every game in his career, you shouldn't be in this business. You shouldn't need a combine. Yeah. And one of the things CO did, and I'm sure everybody else does it, he said, I work really hard to have good relationships with the strength and rehab staff, the equipment staff, and the training staff. Because those are guys I want to talk to. And if they trust me to tell me the truth on a prospect, I believe them. He said, sometimes coaches blow smoke because they want their guys drafted high. And I think there's kind of an art form to it. Yeah. Um, John, along those lines, Gabriel and Umble says Gerard Johnson, who of course was just hired as a quarterback's coach for the, or is about to be no official announcement made as of this podcast, but Gerard Johnson is going to be the quarterback's coach for the Houston Texans. By the way, John, do they, I forget, I should know this because we go through a coaching search every year with the Texans. Do they just do one big mass announcement of the staff 
Is that how they That's do what it? What the Texans do instead of announcing them one at a time? Yeah, they link out. Tell you something about Dry Johnson. Um, first of all, John Lopez from In the Loop on Six Ten is like his father. Yep, they've been close since uh, he lost his dad and he was young uh, and humble. And John was in Kingwood and coached him in a lot of Pee Wee sports. And I, the first time I thought of Gerard as a possible coach, over at uh, St. Thomas High School, George Whitfield, a quarterback guru from San Diego, was in town having a workout for a bunch of prospects from Texas. And Gerard was there. And I said, is he working out as a quarterback? He said, he's helping me. And he said, this kid has got everything it takes to be a coach. Hmm. There's just something about it. And so he had Gerard working with him. And this was, boy, Gerard was uh, in his first coaching job, 2017, Kyle Shanahan's first year. Uh, Bobby Slowick was there, the new Texans offensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryans was there. Gerard Johnson was there on that Bill Walsh Fellowship for Minority Coaches, and they were all there in 2017. And it was probably a year before that that uh, Whitfield was here, and I went to see him. He's a friend of mine, and he brought up – and he was right. Yep. That, that Gerard Johnson had what it took. And now that he's an NFL assistant quarterback coach last year, three was with Indy three years – I just keep hearing his name out there among people. Keep an eye on Gerard Johnson as a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. Well, here's the question that that Gabriel had. Um, He has history, Gerard Johnson, with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud from Elite 11 camps. Do you see his hire as any indicator that the Texans are leaning towards drafting one of them in April with the second overall pick? Yeah, absolutely not. You know, they they are hiring him. It has nothing to do with who the quarterback's going to be. They're hiring him because they think he's got everything they want, a quarterback coach, and he and Slowick, they can play the Shanahan system. I'm writing a column for SportsRadio610.com on what the offense could look like with Bobby Slowick spending nine years with Kyle Shanahan and knowing his system inside and out, which, of course, was started by his dad, Mike, and then handed down to Gary Kubiak and then Kyle. And so I think it would give them a little insight into them because at that elite 11 camp, you know, they're, they're there with them all the time. Yeah. 24 seven. So you get to see a guy behind the scenes. And uh, I remember at the Manning Academy (laughs) in Louisiana, Johnny Manziel was sneaking out at night thinking they didn't know it and they knew it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not what you want when you're trying to impress no. people. And uh, I think that uh, Gerard's got some good insight with those two. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, John, let's keep it moving. Uh, Thomas in the fifth ward. There's a co- we got a couple good Super Bowl questions for you, John. One about specifically about this most recent Super Bowl and the other about Super Bowls in general. Um, the one about specifically this Super Bowl, Thomas in the Fifth Ward, do you think the NFL will look at banning the play that the Eagles beat to death on third and one where everybody just pushed Jalen Hurts ahead for a, a for a first down? No, I don't because there's an art to They should. It they should. It's boring anybody. and stupid. Because, oh, I loved it, watching those sideline oh. shots of the linemen getting low. Oh. If you don't like it, stop it. Uh, put your big guys up there. But I I thought it was great. I do not think 
they're going to ban it. I think we'll see more and more teams doing it. Remember in college football, you couldn't do it. Then we had the Bush push when he pushed Matt Leinart into the end zone. Yeah, and, and, I was uh, there. Helped. Was that the Notre Dame game? Yes, Notre Dame USC 2005. I was sitting on the goal line. Yeah, and so that one got a lot of attention. But yeah. no, I don't think so. Maybe somebody will bring it up at the league meetings in March in Scottsdale, where I also will be covering. And uh, but I don't think so. John, are you going to be in Houston at all over the next two months? It sounds like you're going I'll, everywhere. I'll, I'll stop off here a couple of times. Okay. Thanks to Mattress <laughs> Mac. Thanks to Matt. Had Mattress Mac asked me, we do a video every Monday, and last Monday he said, "When are you going to the Super Bowl?" And I said, "I'm not going to the Super Bowl." And uh, and he said, "Okay." So it's like he told me, "Wherever you want to go." You just let me know if I want to go to the draft, if I want to go anywhere. It's been great working for him. And uh, I told him I don't like covering Super Bowls anymore, but I love covering the combine and the league meetings. John, it's in Vegas next year. Let's go next year. Me and you, let's and go I've to already, Vegas. Carol, Carol's already told me we're going to Vegas at the Super Bowl next year. Okay. Well, so I'll see you there. We're there. That's, I hope. I hope. Um, all right. Let's uh, – other Super Bowl question. This is more of a kind of – Historic question. This is from Stephen in League City. Um, what city is the best one when it comes to hosting Super Bowls? You've been to how many, John? Thirty something? Forty. Okay. What's your what are your what are your three favorite Super Bowl cities? That's a great question. And I'll tell you if your idea is to party, yeah, and you can't beat New Orleans. Yep. Because you can drink at all hours, you can carry it on the streets, you can do anything you want. And during Super Bowl week, they let it all hang out. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was young and was interested in that, there were times where I would finish working at 2 a.m. and then go out. Yeah. And uh, and it was still crowded. And, uh, and so um, the most underrated I've ever been in was Indianapolis because mm. the gigantic Marriott downtown housed everything. I could go from my room down to the media center wearing shorts in my uh, Uggs house shoes. Everybody gave me a hard time about it. And they had all, they wanted to put on a good show so bad. And because they knew it was going to be a one and done, it was because they got the new stadium. And they had things for the fans all over downtown, things that you could do in the winter. It was the first time I saw a zip line coming off of skyscrapers downtown. I did not do it. I was afraid it'd break. Okay. But they did a great job. I Some of the most fun times I've ever had was in Los Angeles. Now, it was spread out. It was a pain to get around, but there'd be celebrities there. And uh, uh, it was it, it was star power. And we had a blast there. Nothing ever goes wrong in Miami. The weather, <laughs> the water, the, the boats. But... Uh, if I had to pick one, I love Minnesota. It was cold, but I was Ugh. ready for it to be cold. They had things that were you adapted to the cold. Same thing in New York. But I would say for partying, it would have to be New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans and, is great. And Phoenix is great, but everything is so spread out. Yeah. But I would have to say Los Angeles because mm. it's L.A. Yeah. And that's one of the few times L.A., other than Academy Awards, has really given a damn about something where everybody got behind it, celebrities and everything else. And, and, uh, I had a blast going there. Yeah. Um, 
New Orleans, John, I, I you know, we're, we haven't gone as a station the last couple of years. I think the hope is that we're going to start going again at some point in the future. Um, but I'll be honest, like when I when they announce the cities, I always, always root for New Orleans. One, because we can drive there from here. You know, that that's that's convenient. And that probably helps with travel costs to encourage the station to go. Um, but I'm with you. I, I've been to. I've been the, as far as the games go. I've only ever been to one, and that was actually in New Orleans when the Harbaugh brothers played each other. That's the only Super Bowl game I've ever been to. But as far as like weeks leading up to it on Radio Row, I've probably been to like eight or nine, maybe. New Orleans is by far my favorite one. I love New Orleans, and there were some other good ones, but New Orleans was New Orleans was great. Um, I like New York. I had a good time at the one in New York. That I was fun. Too. Yeah, I could walk to the hotel. Yeah. Um, yeah, the one one thing about New Orleans, the the worst thing about New Orleans is the dome, the dome uh, which was redone after uh, uh, Katrina. Mm -hmm. You know the other stadiums have passed it so bad, yeah. uh, but people don't care. But the time the Super Bowl comes around, they're so hungover anyway. Yeah. they don't hardly know what city they're in, and in <laughs> fact, you can walk everywhere, and no city handles partying better than the Crescent City. That's true. All right, John, let's do a few more here. Let's do uh, Mark and Lake Charles, because this is a very, this is a current one. This is going to be relevant because if by the time you're listening to this podcast, Derek Carr will probably be a free agent because the Raiders are going to cut him. And I just saw a tweet that said that he's going to take a little while to figure out where he goes. I think he's going to treat this like a five-star recruit treats a recruiting visit and go take some visits with things like that, which he can do. Because if you're cut, you don't have to wait for the start of the league year to sign as a free agent. You can sign anytime you want to if you're cut from your contract. If they just let your contract expire, you got to wait. But Derek Carr will be – maybe that's why he put February 15th as sort of the drop-dead date for his guaranteed money. He's got – he's it's like adult swim, John. He's got the pool all to himself for like the next uh, 30 days um, as far as money goes. Uh, but here's the question from Mark in Lake Charles of all places. We just got done talking about Louisiana. Um, it looks like Derek Carr is going to become a free agent. What percent chance do you give him of becoming a Texan? But if not Houston, what are the top three landing spots for De for uh, Derek Carr? Zero. Yeah. Why I'm would he want to come here? He's got a chance to go to a playoff team. Yep. They're not a playoff team here. And why would they want him? They want to draft a guy. It's like yeah. having a baby. You want to have your baby. You want to watch that baby grow. <laughs> You want to watch him stumble around and fall and then get up and walk straight. Hey, you can be a proud father. I, I don't want to adopt up. I don't want to adopt Derek Carr at age 30 and, and buy him buy him kids' clothes and whatnot. Everybody in New York's talking about Aaron Rodgers, who's on his dark retreat yeah. right now, and he's gonna come out and decide if he wants to retire. Yeah, walk away from 60 million, I'm sure. Aaron Rodgers loves drama. You know, so mm -hmm. he's become such a fruitcake. But if you're the Jets, would you take a 39-year-old quarterback giving up at least two number ones and pick up that contract? Or And, yes, he's going to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, and he's great. But I could see them going after him. In Tennessee, because of Derrick Henry, who's coming off a tremendous season, but it's 29, they got to win now. Mm -hmm. The division's nothing special. So they keep acting like, yeah, they're going to roll with Ryan Tannehill. I don't know why they should be interested in him. Carolina, all these teams that are not in position to pick a quarterback, they should be interested in him. Washington's another one, a great defense, great defensive line. That's it. Ron Rivera, 
That's another one. He's going to have a lot of options. That $40 million he was going to make this year, counting his signing bonus and everything, yeah. he's going to make a whole lot more than that. Yeah, he probably will. I think New Orleans is still in the mix. He just didn't want to get traded there. He wants to get more money. So I think New Orleans still – you mentioned Carolina. I would have said that Indianapolis outside shot just because they're they've got a roster that's kind of ready to win. I don't think their roster's bad. They just had bad quarterback play and injuries last year. But after listening to Ursay at the Steichen press conference today, he kind of sat down at the poker table and decided to show everybody his cards. Did you see the quotes from Ursay today, John? No. What did What did he say? He said that uh, he 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 made allu- he he made references at first to. Um, uh, the future uh, with a young quarterback. And then he had a long answer about um, about his philosophy on uh, quarterbacks and where they are and whatnot. And he just drops in, I really do like the kid from Alabama. <laughs> so, so, which is a little scary for Texan fans who want Bryce Young because they may get, he goes, you know, we may stay, we may trade up. And then Ballard chimes in, or we may trade back. And Ursay's like, yeah, Chris likes the picks. He likes the picks. So, um, <laughs> so they, so I would have said Indianapolis, but I'm guessing they're going to go young. Uh, Derek Carr might be. This sounds so weird, but that division's so bad because Tampa needs a quarterback. Also, yes. I think, or you could argue Atlanta yes. needs a quarterback. Those all four of those teams need a quarterback. It could very well be whichever one Derek Carr of all people picks is all of a sudden going to win that division. Like, that might be the difference in that division is who Derek Carr goes and plays for. If I'm not sold on Dennis Allen as a head coach with the Saints, I think this time next year they have another coach. But if I'm him and I'm going to go that division, I want to play for Frank Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's – I know they're picking ninth in the draft, so they're not a good team. But they were 6-6 six and six down the stretch. they got a pretty good defense. Um, they've got some pieces. I, I'm with you. I think, you know, the, and you sign him and you don't – you sign him, and then you can either draft a piece to support him with the ninth pick, or you draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson if they're still sitting there, and they, those guys have a year or two to sit and develop um, while while Carr plays. Um, all right, let's um, let's do let's do one more, John. Um, we've got a ton of good ones, but we can save some of these because they're. Well, I got time for a ton if you do. Well, I, I actually don't. I got to go buy stuff for my wife for <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, so let's do this one. Glenn in North Houston. A lot of people have questions about the Hall of Fame, John. So I'm just going to sum it up with Glenn's question here. John, can you tell us about Andre Johnson missing the Hall of Fame this time around and how concerned are you that this could go on for a while? I'm concerned because there's a logjam at wide receiver with Andre and Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne, all of whom have Hall of Fame credentials. I know everybody here thinks Andre is better than them, including me, but everybody on the committee thinks they all need to be in, and they canceled each other out. Last year, he made the cut from 15 to 10. They didn't. This year, all three made the cut to 10. None of them made the cut to five to get in. We're going to have more receivers coming up, like Larry Fitzgerald in a couple of years. So, I told Andre, who's been great about it, I said, I'll keep plugging away and we'll do it again next year and I'll do everything I can. And I'm, I apologize to him, but uh, I don't know what we're going to do about this log jam. How did he take it? He great. He's yeah. always takes everything great. Yeah. The only thing I've ever seen bother him was uh, 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 Titans Corner. Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> Cortland Finnegan, yeah. That's the only thing that's ever bothered Andre Johnson. Yeah. 
you ever bring that up when you present for him for the Hall of Fame, John? Like, you know, by the way, he beat the snot out of this Cortland Finnegan and everybody nods yeah. their head and goes, you know what? This is a really good point John's making. <laughs> I have not, but maybe I need to do that next year. Maybe that'll work. Yeah. You know what, John, real quick, Peter King. I don't know if you saw Peter King. Was I saw one of the, it. Yeah. Where he's, he's listing the reasons why Andre should be in the Hall of Fame. And he listed, well, he's the biggest out of the three of them. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it was biggest and he was talking about his size and speed. Okay. And he also Still. thinks he's the best because of his production. Okay. He he was one of the many that spoke up for Andre. Yeah. In our in our, in our meeting, and he is very pro Andre Johnson. So are others, but unfortunately, uh, you can have out of forty nine, you can have nine people out of forty nine keep you out of the Hall of Fame. What's John? What's more problematic the slew of because it feels like i've looked ahead at some of these classes that are coming up as i'm sure you have as well it feels like there's at least one if not two first ballot type guys in each class coming up is that a bigger problem or is the tory holt reggie wayne soon to be larry fitzgerald dynamic a bigger problem for andre well i think fitzgerald's a lock so he's not going to be a problem when he comes up he'll be in okay and but having those other two guys reminds me of swan and Stallworth canceling each other out for yeah. years. And finally, uh, Dan Rooney called everybody on the committee and asked them, would they please just consider one one year and see if that worked? And it did. And Swan went the first year and Stallworth went the second. But uh, Dan Rooney was the most influential owner in history. And I thought that was a great plan, but I don't see us doing that anymore. Well, he was also the owner of the team that both those guys played for. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. now you've... You'd get three owners, you know, doing the whole thing that like that meme from the office where Michael and Andy and Dwight are all pointing guns at each other. And no one's pulling the trigger. You know what I mean? Like it's because you'd have the McNairs versus the who, I guess, the the Ursays versus and Stan Kroenke and Kroenke for uh, for for Tory Holt. So, um, yeah. So, I, oh, man, hopefully it's uh, Hopefully it shakes loose for Andre. If you had to handicap it, John, does he get in before J.J. Watt gets in in 2028? I would say yes because it's five years, but truthfully, I don't know. This yeah. has gone to, through their uh, modern eligibility, which is 20 years. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying it could. Is that, okay, it'll get worked out. That was my question because in baseball, it's 10 years. So in football, it's 20 years. You're on the modern uh, the modern day. Then you become a senior candidate. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I, I – and I look at some of the receivers who are in. God, I can't imagine Andre Johnson's got to worry about this for too, too long. But um, you you have the best grasp on it of anybody, John. So hey, you uh, talk to people in Indianapolis and St. They say Lewis, the same thing. They yep. say the same thing about their guy. Yep. No, for sure. For sure. John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? I know it's going to be chock full of Astros stuff with you headed to Florida. Uh, GalleriesSports.com. I have a column that I'm very proud of about being with Chuck Galley's house when Bob Lilly and Roger Staubach told him he was in the Hall of Fame. We have no idea if it registered because he has Alzheimer's, and I wrote a really long one. Mattress Mac was with me, and we have a video we recorded Monday in which we talked about that once-in-a-lifetime experience, and I have uh, a column today about the Chiefs have a chance to be a dynasty, and then I'm doing one uh, pro, pro, pro uh, sportsradio610.com about what the Texans offense can look like under Bobby Slowick. And when we see it, we're going to think of the 49ers offense. When do you think they'll announce the coaching staff, John? What, what's uh, the holdup? 
Well, I'm leaving Wednesday, so I guess they'll probably do it Thursday. Well, they'll probably do it while you're in the air on Wednesday. That's what seems to have been happening lately. <laughs> That's what happened when D'Amico got the job. Yep. I was flying. Yep. They're Martin checking Herman your itinerary. That's we what they're doing. Coming back. The Casario's checking in and going, okay, do we have uh do we check in in the uh, in the computer and see when McLean takes off? All right, let's go. Go for launch. Let's send out the, the press release. All right, good stuff, John. We're looking forward to all that Astros coverage and looking forward. Obviously, there's plenty of football that we're going to get to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Um, if you want to uh, continue to get this podcast regularly without having to do a darn thing, uh, click that subscribe button on whatever uh, mechanism it is you use to listen to podcasts or next to next to uh, the logo for this podcast, and you'll get it automatically and free every day, um, or every day that we do one, I should say. Uh, we do two a week, unless it's warranted to do more, like big announcements, like, I don't know, hiring D'Amico Ryans. We did a bonus episode for that. Uh, click that subscribe button, download the podcast, give us a review if you'd like. We love five-star reviews if you think we deserve it. Uh, and uh, also, if you want to send in an email, if you want your question to get read on the air, mailbag at gmail.com, mailbag at gmail.com. And again, not just football, but John's going to be at spring training. And so baseball questions, definitely always fair game here on the Utopia podcast. Um, for Figgy Fig, thank you to him for getting this podcast out to all of you. Does a great job for John McClain. I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you all next week for a couple more episodes of the Utopia podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.